Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church podcast. It is our desire at the Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, the Anchor podcast features Sunday sermons. To hear this live and before subscribers do, join us in Rockport, Maine on Sunday mornings at 10 for worship and before that at 845 for prayer service. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the Word. Amen. All right. The good news is is that I sang my voice away, so now I can't yell at you. That's always a good thing whenever the preacher gets the mic and he can't yell at you because he already lost his voice, so I'm just going to be nice and quiet for you today. Like Pastor Quentin said, I have known that man for a very long time. I'd say probably out of the majority of people in my life, he probably put in just about the most work in uh, turning me into the person that I am today. Um, I mean that with my whole heart. I'm not going to get choked up either. I'm going to man it out. not going to cry today. I'm going to do my best. That's probably a lie. I am going to cry today. It's just what I do whenever I preach. Y'all know Pastor Brian. He cries too. We're kind of of the same fold. So I'd say uh, Pastor Brian and Pastor Quentin have been two, two of the most important spiritual fathers in my life. Uh, and so if I preach something that you've already heard today, I'm sorry. I just copy everything that they ever said to me. And, <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's all I do, regurgitate information. So <laughs> um, we are, he kind of got into a little bit of what Michaela and I do. That's my very beautiful smoking hot wife over there with my super cute Pillsbury Doughboy looking son. <laughs> and... Um, so we, we work down in Nicaragua, like Pastor Quentin was saying. Um, whenever we arrived in Nicaragua, we had like one church. And now over the last year and a half, we've grown to about eight churches um, of just working with people. And, uh, and also just uh, there's a lot of abandoned pastors in Nicaragua. And so we've been able to bring people in and give them love and give them care and help them kind of get back in a, in a healthy state of mind. Um, because uh, if you don't know this, pastoring is hard. And uh, it's even harder in places where people just don't have basic understandings of certain things. Kind of here in, in America, we have a basic understanding of what Christianity is. Everybody kind of has Judeo-Christian values plastered inside of their brains, whether they're aware of it or not. Um, and so it's a little bit easier here to kind of work with certain things. Um, and, but then down there, it's, it's, uh, it's been overrun by a lot of religion. And so we're, we're, we've been in the mud just kind of, I mean, literally and uh, metaphysically in the mud, <laughs> just helping people out to get to where God has called them to be. And that's our main focus. We're not, we're not down there. You know, if, if, uh, if you heard Britt Hancock, preach, Britt, Britt Hancock preach here before, you probably heard him say that uh, you can still go to hell with good teeth and a full belly. And so that's not really as much of our focus as it is just going down and, and loving people into the image of Christ. And so uh, I have a little bit of a testimony to get started today, to get me in the direction that I want to go in. Um, 
And this is going to kind of sound a little odd because it's like whenever the missionary comes, a lot of times people are like, we want to hear the stories of the dead being raised and the people being healed and the prophecies being given. And that's good. And and that's fun. I I do have some of those stories, but I'm going to share a story that will probably sound a little less like victory. But in my mind, it's the greatest victory we've ever had on the mission field. Um, Down in Nicaragua, we have this pastor. His name is Juan Luis. He's such, a be- uh, such an amazing man, got a beautiful heart, beautiful spirit. And uh, he got saved about five years ago. And um, I mean, this was, a, th- this was a, <laughs> an interesting situation. You know, he had kind of been married like five times before. He's got children literally all over the globe. I'm not joking. He has children all over the globe. Like we would be talking to him. He was like, oh yeah, my son that lives in X, Y, or Z. And we're like, how did you get his son over there? And he's like, well, I've been married to every woman that's ever existed. And so... <clears throat> So he got saved out of that. He got married to the woman that he was with. Um, that was quite a process getting him to, we, we eventually had to come to the point where we're like, hey, you can't be a pastor with us unless you marry this woman. And so he got married and he was like, well, I guess I'll go ahead and do that then since I really like being a pastor. Um, so he got married and no, he loves his wife a whole lot. <laughs> so got married to her and um, kind of like year two, year three of him being saved, they had a son and his name is Saeed. This is the part where I got to push through and not cry. <laughs> um, had a little son named Saeed and um, he was perfectly normal for about three or four months. And then he started showing signs of um, cerebral palsy and um, just a really difficult situation. And God did all kinds of miracles in his life. For one thing, he was allergic to his mother's milk. Um, and the only thing that he could milk, uh, that he could eat was goat's milk. And so we had really been praying about what we were going to do. And basically this one day we were like, you know what, we're going to buy him a goat so that he can have the milk for, uh, for his son. We get there and we say, Hey, Juan Luis, guess what? We're going to give you a goat so that you can feed your son. He's like, Oh, well, we've been praying. And this morning, someone already bought, brought us a, a goat so that we could feed our son. So that's pretty cool. Um, that was a really awesome miracle that happened. And we went around and met the goat whose name is Butterfly in Spanish, Mariposa. So we went and was like, it's the goat that's named Butterfly. And that was all fun. And we had a lot of fun with them that day. And then uh, another cool miracle that happened in this little boy's life is from the moment that he started showing signs of um, just the, the different damages that he had in his brain, uh, he, his lungs started filling up with, with fluid. And every single day, he just had this terrible cough every single day. And we were just praying and believing. And, you know, honestly, we felt like he was going to be the, the key to that area. We felt like because everybody knew him, everybody knew his father, that if God would completely heal him and if he was able to walk and stuff, we were thinking, yeah, that's going to get everybody in this area saved. That's going to get everybody on board. That's going to get everybody motivated because that's, that's, what, that's how we believe, right? And so we, um, we, we started praying and believing for his healing. God completely takes away all of the fluid that was in his lungs. He goes to the doctor. Doctor says, I've been seeing this boy since he was little and I can't explain it. He is completely and totally healed. There is absolutely nothing wrong with his lungs. And, and so we were, we, were, we were celebrating over that victory. And then a couple months go by and Michaela and I had to leave the country because there was civil war breaking out in Nicaragua um, cause I guess God just calls you to hard places sometimes. And so we, so we had to leave. And while we were gone, we get the call to find out that Saeed had passed away. And man, I tell you, I, like I am, 
I have a pastor's heart above everything else. I see everything in the in this life through the lens of a pastor's heart. I care about people so deeply, and there was nothing more that I wanted to do. I didn't care if people were shooting at me. I didn't care what was going on. I wanted to go see my man, Juan Luis, and be there with him. And so we were kind of praying and seeing what we needed to do. I think we actually, we actually called PQ, tried to get wisdom, talked to uh, my father, who's Pastor Al Bryce, who was up here a couple years ago whenever um, the church got handed off to PQ, called uh, Britt. We were talking with people, and we were trying to get wisdom on what we should do. And uh, I wanted to go. Jacob wanted to go. And so finally, we, we come to the conclusion that we can't go. But I call, we, we call Juan Luis and we're starting to have conversations and he said the most impactful thing to me that I've ever heard in my life. He said, Cameron, they call me Brother John, Hermano Juan. He said, I have never known the love of God so powerfully. I have never experienced the love of God and I feel like I have never been so intimate with the Father than I have ever been up until this moment. And a lot of people hear that story and they're like, well, that's not really a great story. But in my mind, I'm like, that is the greatest point that you could ever get someone to. That you get to the point that it doesn't matter what is going on in their life, that they are so sold out and so locked on to Jesus that they're not just seeking God for what he can do for them, but they get to the point that they are seeking God for who he is. Like that is the all-time greatest goal. If I, could, if I could get people to have faith for one thing, it would be that they would never lose their hope, their love, their drive to know God. That's what, I, that's what, that's what I'm passionate about. I, I love miracles. I love healing. I love the presence of God coming and getting the goosey bumpies and the lovey feelies and stuff. That, I love that stuff. But, but none of that is really as important as getting to the point that you just know God. That's the goal of it all. And so I tell that story to kind of lead into what I want to talk about today because all I want to talk about today is, is just knowing Jesus, just knowing the Father, just knowing the Holy Spirit. Um, like two weeks ago, I was on a plane and I was, I was praying because I didn't want to talk to the people around me because I don't like to do that. I already got my four friends and no. <laughs> my wife is the relational person. She loves to meet new people and talk with new people. And I just kind of go sit down in my quarter and put my headphones in and try and focus on what I'm doing. Um, and so I was sitting on the plane and I was praying because I was going to preach at a church last week in Tampa and God asked me this question. He said, how could I, an all-knowing God, ever say to someone, depart from me, I never knew you? You get that? How could an all-knowing God say to someone, I never knew you? Um, so if you could, let's, uh, I'm going to go ahead and read that scripture, Matthew 7, 21 through 23 to kind of give us a, a little bit of insight into how God could get to that place. And if you're taking notes, I'm going to go super fast today. So if you're taking notes, just write it down. You don't have to flip there or anything. Uh, it says here in the New King James Version, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my father in heaven. 
Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. So like if we're kind of in a typical Christian world and we're seeing like signs and wonders and demons being cast out and there's all kinds of prophecy going on, we're like, that's the spot to be, right? That's how we think in our minds. We think like, wow, they they got all the good stuff going on. They got all the promises going on. They got all all of the things that are talked about in like three or four chapters of the Bible going on at their, in this place. And that's kind of how we think. We think where there's miracles, there's God. And I'm not saying that that's not true. That is true. So I'm not going to, I'm not trying to get off in like a miracles don't exist anymore and Holy Spirit's not for today type of theology. I want to stay as far away from that as I possibly can. (laughs) But for some reason, something was missing in these guys. It wasn't enough that they were casting out devils. It wasn't enough that they were able to prophesy and it wasn't enough that they were able to heal. It wasn't enough that they had the promises of God in their life. There was something missing. Because there's a currency in heaven and it's called intimacy. It's called relationship. You know, we, a, a lot of times we can get focused on eternal life as being some kind of futuristic thing. And, and really in John 17, 3, it says that this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus whom you have sent. And so what eternal life actually is, is knowing God. It's not just getting to heaven. The reason why we go to heaven is because then at that point, we will know as we are known. So right now we see through a dim glass, right? Right now we can't, we're, can't, we're a little bit veiled and, and we seek God and we go for God and we press on towards God, but, there, but we still miss it sometimes. We still have kind of like, a, 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 like a, things that stand in our way, like our own thoughts or our, our, our past or the traumas that we've experienced in life. We have those things that kind of stand in front of us and they can cause God to be a little bit cloudy to us right now, but we're going to eventually get to the point where we know as we are known, which is pretty cool, if you ask me. But that's the whole point. The whole point of your relationship with God is to come into a point where you don't just make demands on what he can do, but you know him for who he is. You know, if we only know God for what he can do, that's a sign of immaturity in our life. My son at this point, he only knows Michaela and I for what we can give him. That's all he knows me for. He knows me as the guy that picks him up whenever he's crying, that rocks him to sleep at night, that sings him to sleep at night. He knows Michaela for the one that feeds him, the one that kisses him, the one that that comforts him. But eventually, as my son matures, he's going to get to the place where he knows what I'm like, right? Because that's what true maturity is. If he just stayed in a place where he only knew what I was capable of giving him, that would be a very immature place for him to stay. But eventually, as, as I father him as well as I possibly can, and as he grows up and as he takes on his own personality and as, as he begins to realize that he was created for relationship with other people, he's going to start to say, hey, dad's kind of loud. <laughs> he's going to say, well, he probably already thinks that way because I wake him up so often. He's going to start to say, hey, dad really likes to go backpacking. He's going to say, hey, dad really, really, really enjoys sitting outside and reading. He's going to start to say, hey, dad really enjoys whenever, whenever, I, whenever I hug him because I'm a, I'm a touchy-feely kind of guy. 
And uh, my, my love language 100% is uh, physical touch. That's where I'm at. Uh, so if you really want to love on Bean today, go ahead and slap a hug on me. I'll be all right with it. So he's going to start to know that about me one day, right? As he matures. And the prayer is and the hope is that he won't just have relationship with me for what I can give him, right? That's the hope. That's the prayer. And that's the same thing with us and God. The, the hope is that we would not just stay in a place where we know, hey, God can heal or hey, that, that God can do this or God can provide or God can defend or God can give victory that we know that God heals because he is love or we know that God provides because he is good or we know that, do you understand what I'm saying? We know that he heals our broken heart because he's faithful, he's true, he's full of mercy and full of grace right? We start to realize that, that his banner over us is love, that he sings over us, he literally dances over us, that he's so fully in love with us and locked in and engaged with us that we start to realize that, oh man, this is what he's like. It's not just what he can do it. This is what he's like. That's a great place to get to because there's a lot of people that are in this world that are just focused on promises. They're just focused on what God can do for them. That's all they're focused on. And so they, they spend all of their time looking for promises, looking for things that God does, and they're completely missing out on this huge part of who he is. They're missing out because that's the most important thing that we can get to. It's to know him. You know, David said in Psalm 27, one thing I've desired of the Lord and that will I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life and behold the beauty of his temple. One thing that we should get to the place that we desire in our lives is just God, just to know him, just to know him. Because, you know, whenever we're focused on, on, on promises, we always find ourselves in a little place called performance, because whenever we're focused on promises and not the promiser, we think that we have to say the right thing enough times or we think we have to pray enough or we think that we have to worship enough or we think we have to come to church enough or we think that we have to be at a certain place in our lives before we can receive something from God because then that puts, whenever we're focused on the promises of God, sometimes that puts all of the focus on just us instead of realizing that God gives promises because of who he is and that every promise of God is attached to part of God's personality. Every single promise of God is attached to some good part of his personality. And so whenever you're focused on the personhood of God, instead of finding yourself in performance mode, you find yourself more engaged in your process. Whenever you're focused on the personhood of God, then you start to realize, okay, this is what God is like, and I'm not really there yet on this level. But I'm getting there because I'm seeking the face of God, and the more that I seek the face of God, the more that I'm transformed into his image. The more that I, I, I try to know who God is, the more I know who I am, and the more that I can walk in that. And whenever we, whenever we find out who God is, we run into things like healing. Whenever we find out who God is, we run into things like provision. But if all our focus is, is provision, 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 healing, 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 miracles, 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 we might miss it. 
But if our focus is God, 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 we're going to find those things. They're going to spring right up in front of us. Why? Because we're going to find them in who God is. And so there, the, there are these two dimensions that kind of happen where, where we, we begin to find out who God is. And so we run into those promises, but then we also begin to manifest those promises in ourselves to other people around us. Why? Because we're being transformed into the image of who he is as well. As we know him, we know ourselves. As we know him, we know ourselves. And then we don't, we, we don't talk as roughly to our wives or we, we, don't, we don't say the same things to people that cut us off in traffic like we used to. Instead, we start to manifest the personhood of God within us. And then we even begin to manifest healing to other people that need that healing or provision to other people that need that provision instead of sitting in church going, well, I, I hope I get my miracle today. If you're focused on the personhood of God, you might not have your specific miracle in your life right now today, but, but when you're focused on God, you don't even care about that because you'll look around in the room and you'll try and find the person that needs that same miracle. And you say, I might not have this in my life right now, but I'm going to pray for you because I know God wants it for you just as much as he wants it for me. Why? Because he's love, because he's good, because he's mercy, because he's holy, because he's all of these things. That's our focus. And so a, a couple of weeks ago, I started asking myself the question, like, what if we started really showing up to church just to know Jesus? Because a lot of times what we come into church with, we come into church with kind of like this, uh, I, I hope that I get the thing that I'm searching for today. We come in the room going, well, my back still hurts this morning, and so I just, I'm just focused on getting my back healed. God, please heal my back. 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 Instead of coming in and saying, God, I seek you. And if I walk out healed or if I walk out the same, you're good enough for me. Do I want those things in my life? Absolutely. But God, you're good enough for me. You're more than enough for me. You know, Abraham's, I mean, God said to Abraham, I am your great reward. He is their reward. He is the thing that we're after. So I started asking myself that question. I said, God, what, what, what would happen if we started showing up that way? And I'm going to just run through this really quick um, because I don't have a lot of time and I want to get you guys out of here when you're used to getting out of here. Um, but if you could flip with me to Isaiah 6. Isaiah 6. I said flip with me just because that's just what pastors say, but don't go there. I'm just going to read it really fast so that we save time. <laughs> that's not just like a habit. Turn with me. If you have your Bibles, that's what we do. Isn't that right? <laughs> it says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew, and one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Now, this is, um, this is a scripture that I started studying kind of like the year after I really gave my heart to the Lord in 2008. So in two th since 2009, this has been as one of those scriptures that I've just constantly gone back to and gone back to over and over again because it's just intrigued me, and it's something that I want in my life. And there's a specific part of this scripture that has always kind of gripped me, and I never really understood why, 
until I, 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 I found something last week. And, and the part that really grips me is whenever it says, the train of his robe filled the temple. You know, a lot of times whenever we sing to God, we're, 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 like, we're like trying to get a part of who God is to fill the room, right? It's kind of like we want his healing to come or we want, his, we, we want, we want one specific side of him to come sometimes. That, that we can get focused on that a little too much, right? And so I always was intrigued by like, okay, what is God's robe? What does God's robe represent? And I've read commentary after commentary after commentary, and there's some really good things in there that I like, like, you know, the kings of, um, uh, uh, of the Jews, they would often go out and whoever they would conquer, they would take a piece of their robe and they would sew it onto their robe. And so some people say, like, this represents all of the many victories that God had. Imagine how many victories God has to have in order to fill a room. And that was good, and I, I kind of like that. But, but one thing that really got me last week whenever I was reading in Psalm 93 is that it says... In Psalm 93, 1, the Lord reigns and he is clothed with majesty. Some translations say that he is robed in majesty. And so what filled the temple at that moment was not just some kind of physical, you know, we, a lot of times we try and apply earthly principles to a heavenly truth. And it's like, we, we, we sit there and we say, okay, well, let's try and figure out what God's robe would be on, on earthly terms. And it's like, no, we got to read the Bible and see what connects. And so it says here that he is clothed in majesty. So whenever we read that, we say, in the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah saw the Lord seated high and lifted up, and the train of his majesty filled the room. So like any good Bible scholar that's been raised up by Pastor Quentin Self, I had to look up what the word majesty means. And the word majesty means the greatness of one's attributes, the magnitude of who someone is. So what was filling the room was not some physical fabric from God, from heaven. What was filling the room was the greatness of who God is. It's the magnitude of his character and his personality. That's what was filling the room at that moment. And so that's pretty incredible, right? That, that as Isaiah was looking at the temple where God, have, it, where God inhabits, he saw the robe or his majesty or the greatness of who God was filling the temple. So as I read that, that made me think of another scripture in Luke 8. And I know I'm going super fast, but I, I really would enjoy for you guys to get this. It says, Luke 8, verse 43 through 45, it says, Now a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years who had spent all her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed on any. So her whole life, right, she's focused on her healing, 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 trying to find God's healing, want God's healing in my life. Or I want, you know, she probably went to everybody. I'm sure she even probably found herself at the pool of Bethesda at one, at one point trying to hop in whenever the angel stirred the waters. She had, she had done everything she could to try and find her healing. She was focused her whole life on her healing. And then finally it says that she could not be healed, but she came up from behind Jesus and touched the border of his garment, or she touched his robe, right? So get what Jesus says here. <laughs> Immediately her flow of blood stopped, and Jesus said, Who touched me? Now, I went back and I looked at the other portions of Scripture where, uh, where, where this story has been brought up. And in Matthew and in Mark, the translators actually put the word robe in there whenever Jesus, in all three accounts, actually said, who touched me? 
So this woman had been looking for healing her whole life, seeking healing her whole life, and she finally comes to this moment where she no longer sees healing, but she actually finds herself touching the magnitude and the greatness of who God was. She found herself touching Jesus not just his robe, touching who he was because it says that God is clothed in majesty, right? So she touched his robe. She touched his majesty. She touched the greatness of who he was and she ran into healing on the way. But what was her goal? Her goal was God. Her goal was Jesus. And and, and she runs into healing in finding Jesus. And you know, I, the reason why I say this is because my whole life, I think, you know, I, I, I've really had moments where I've gotten disappointed because all I was focused on was the promise and not the promiser. I've had moments where I've gotten really, really, really upset with God. And, and you know, um, if you've ever been upset with God, there's plenty of other people that have been upset with God in the Bible too. So it's in there. Right? In Lamentations, Jeremiah says to God, you tied, a, you tied a rope around my neck and cast me into the sea, and you sick bears on me, and you did this. And I'm sitting there reading stuff like this. I'm like, God allowed this stuff to be written about himself. And then, like, in the next breath, he says, but your mercies are new every single morning. You know, a lot of times we don't quote that whole scripture. <laughs> we just like the fuzzy part, and we, you know, we're like, oh, his mercies are new every morning, not that he's sucked was sick and bears after people. and <laughs> My accent is from North Carolina, by the way. That's, why, that's how come I sound different from y'all. Um, so anyways, <laughs> got off track. See that? So anyways, it, it, I, I used to seek the promises of God and get really frustrated whenever they didn't come to pass in my life. And the greatest change that I, I, I found myself in this moment um, last year after Michaela and I had had our second miscarriage, I found myself in this moment where I was like, okay, do I really believe that God heals? Do I, do I really believe that, that God does these things that he did in the Old Testament? And I found myself, er, in the, in the, in, in whenever Jesus was walking on the earth in, in, in the early church, I found myself asking that question. And I really had to realize that because I was just seeking the promises of God, I was really setting myself up for disappointment. But as I began to seek God for who God was and and seek God for his goodness and seek God to know what he was like, I found myself not really caring about anything else. I found myself walking into church services just, just hoping to touch the hem of his robe. And if my healing is there, great. And if my provision is there, great. But the thing that matters most to me is that he's there. The thing that matters most to me is that he's in the room. The thing that matters most to me is that I, I, I walk into heaven already knowing certain things about God. There are certain things in heaven that shouldn't surprise us, right? But there's a lot of people that seek God in a way where they're going to get to heaven. They're going to be like, what, 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 what? And there's going to be some of us They're going to get there and be like, yeah, I knew that all along. That's great. Awesome. Why? Because we we can get so focused on who he is. And then you're not setting yourself up for disappointment. You're setting yourself up to, 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 to seek him more. 
Because whenever you don't have an answer, you realize, well, I just want to know more about him. And he's going to answer me. It might not be today. It might not be tomorrow. It might not be next year. But if, I'm, if my face is set towards him, and if all I am obsessed with and possessed with is trying to find out who he is and, and, and just seeking to know him above everything else, I'm going to be in a good spot. And I'm not going to create these doctrines that exist out there that, well, God, Holy Spirit's not for today, and God doesn't move the way that he used to move, and God is, you know. We find ourselves saying things like that. Why? Because we were seeking the promise instead of seeking the promiser. And if we would have been seeking the promiser, we might have realized that we were at a point in our process where God was drawing us in deeper. And if we would have just gone another month, another year, another who knows how long, we would have found out something about God or we would have found something in God that would have led us to the unlocking of a promise. But we would have been focused on our process. And we wouldn't have time to be disappointed in God for not doing something. Because we'd be so obsessed with who he is, right? That doesn't mean that we don't allow those things to drive us deeper into God. That's the point. The point is every single thing in life is meant to push us closer and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and find ourselves in a place where we're drawing, all we're doing is drawing near to God. That's all I want. That's all, that's all we should want in life is just to know him, just to know him, just to know him, just to know him because everything else, everything else fades away. I love that old hymn, turn your eyes towards Jesus, look full at his face and the things of this earth will grow, strain, will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. How beautiful is that? That whenever all we're doing is seeking his face, when the only thing that we desire of the Lord is to see him and to know him, that everything else in this world, it doesn't matter if it's a good thing, it doesn't matter if it's a bad thing, it doesn't matter if you, if you have a million dollars one night and wake up with zero dollars the next morning because some kind of crazy thing happened in your life, you'll say, "Who? well, I still have Jesus. I still have the Father. I've been sick for six months now, but I still have Jesus. Whoo. What power is in that? And I, and, and, and I, I, you know, John G. Lake has this powerful, if you don't know who John G. Lake is, man, you need to Google that, son. He's awesome. But John G. Lake is this man, he had powerful healing revivals, and, and people used to get so upset with him because he would talk so strongly about just believing in God. And they say, how can you believe in God whenever his family was sick? People in his own family were sick. Thousands of people getting healed out in meetings and his own family sick. And he said, I would rather die in my pursuit of the promiser than allow the disappointment in not receiving a promise to cause me to lose my faith in God. That's the point I want to get to. That's the point that I want everybody in this room to get to. That you would say, if he does or if he doesn't, I will still believe him. If he does or if he doesn't, I will not be disappointed in him. If he does or if he doesn't, I am engaged in my process and I will seek his face until I know him as I am known by him. That is what it's all about. More than anything else, if you could hear anything from me today, it would be seek Jesus. Just set your heart to know God and let yourself run into the things of him. 
Let yourself hit the promises along the way. Let them be like waves that you crash into as you're finding yourself in the sea of God. Am I good for like ten, like five more minutes? Five more minutes. Okay. Just um, so, just kind of let that simmer in for just a second. I, I, I really need to say some things to some people. Just God was speaking to me yesterday, and then and then in worship, and yesterday He said there will be a couple three rows back, and so you guys, um, what are your names? No, no, these two, y'all two, yeah. What what are your names? David and, hmm? okay, oh, you're not together, okay, okay, but you're not married, you're his mom, that's your husband, okay, I don't know why, but you two just stand out as like pegged together, so you're not husband and wife, but who cares, <laughs> for whatever reason, for whatever reason, I, 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 I see you guys like moving together, like it was almost like I saw it's almost like I saw someone wearing uh, like a like a wetsuit, and you know it's like a it's like a second skin, and so it's like however you're moving around that 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 all moves together with you, and so I don't necessarily know what that means, but I just just felt like the Lord said that to me, and if I say anything wrong, PQ will rebuke me later, and it'll be fine. So I'm not I'm not really scared of messing up. <laughs> it'll be okay. Um, Robbie. I heard the Lord say that he's taking you from coaching into fathering. And so moments where you, moments where you feel like you're coaching, you're actually fathering. Um, and so God, that, that doesn't mean that he's like changing your job or whatever like that, or that you're doing, God's calling you to do something else. That's not what I'm getting at all. But what I'm getting is that he's going to begin to change the way you coach. Uh, and it's going to look a lot more like fathering. And you're actually going to begin to, kids are going to like, like you're going to see them kind of like wanting to say dad to you. And I, I, I don't know why. You should just go ahead and let them do that because there are there's a fatherless generation right now all across the earth that need people who believe in them. And so God has given you a, a unique ability to believe in people. And even that, you know, Sometimes in this in this generation we kind of get like hung up on people seeing our faults and we're like, well, just love me the way that I am and blah blah blah. And you're supposed to help break that off of people and realize that their faults are just opportunities to move forward and to be better. And only a only a dad can do that. Only a dad can really help people to see their faults as not uh, as as not something that's going to hold them back, but an opportunity to move forward. Um, and so God, so that's just what I kept on hearing over you is that God is moving you from coaching into fathering. And I bless you in that in Jesus' name. Yeah. Where's that other person? I think she left. That's all right. Um, what's your name again? We're singing together today. Yeah. Huh? Michael. Um, I just... I heard the Lord saying that he is going to begin to sing songs over you, to sing songs through you. So like he's going to begin to, whenever you're up there, you're going to like hear melodies and you're going to hear different things inside of your heart. And God just really wants you to begin to, to sing those things out because they're actually something that's supposed to deposit into people in the room. One of the best um, worship leader advice that I'd ever been given is sing what people can't sing. 
say to God what people feel like they can't say to God because what that begins to do is that releases people into a deeper relationship with God as you begin to sing over people and as you begin to sing the things that God is singing over you and the things that even in like I see you I see you in your private time just playing before the Lord and that as you sing before the Lord that he's going to that he's breaking things off of you that need to be break, broken off of other people too and so, like, even this message today that I'm preaching, it's, it's, it's based out of something that's been broken off of me and that God is continuing to break off of me. So in your own alone time with God, he's going to begin to fill you up with things that are going to break off things in your life so that you can break off things in other people's life. Amen. Amen. Cool. Um, yeah, if everybody could just bow their heads. No, you can stay, actually. I'm... God's just been doing weird altar calls with me, and I, I, last thing I want to do is move people in, in an emotional way. Um, so again, just like what Pastor Quentin did earlier today, could we just, if we just bow our heads and just take a deep breath in and breathe out. God, I release a deep desire to know you in this room. I call people out of a place of just seeking you for what you can do and into a place of seeking you for who you are. God, I pray that every single time people come into this room, that they would not wait for the music, that they wouldn't wait for the feeling, that they wouldn't wait for, for something to happen, for, for something to move them, but God, that they would seek to move you. I pray, Lord Jesus, that, that as they begin to know you, that they would just be able to release what they are knowing about you to other people. I pray that there would be a deep desire to know as they are known. That their aim would be to seek their life that is hidden with you. And God, with, with the passion that you've given me, God, would you just release that all over this room right now? God, would you release the same passion that you've given me to know you over every single person in this room. God, I pray that you would wake people up in the middle of the night. I pray that you would call on them. I pray that people would begin to hear you saying, come away with me, come away with me, come away with me, that people would begin to hear you saying that over them. I speak dreams and visions in the name of Jesus Christ. I pray that people would find themselves in the midst of your presence so strongly while they're driving down the road that they would have to pull over lest they crash into something because of how powerful your presence is and that in those moments you would just begin to speak to them and speak over them and show them, God, that you are singing over them, that you are loving them, God, that they would just begin 
to be so connected with who you are, Lord Jesus, so connected with who you are, Lord Jesus, so connected with who you are, Lord Jesus, that everything else in this life would fall away. I speak to every single person in this room that has created doctrines around your disappointments, and I say that those disappointments are broken in the name of Jesus. I speak renewed life over your relationship with Jesus right now. I speak to the people who have lost their way. I speak to the people who have lost their hunger, and I could declare a fire to ignite in your belly right now in the name of Jesus Christ. I thank you, Father, that you are just running and rushing over them right now in the name of Jesus, that they would just begin to feel so much of you right now. God, let your let your kabod, let your glory, let your weight fall on them right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Hmm. God, I speak to the old wells. The old wells, I pray that they would run with rushing water again. Father, we just thank you for sealing, God, your word in our hearts today. Father, you know that every person is in uh, just different spots in this room, God, and that there's uh, different things that they needed to hear from you. And so, Lord, I, I guess overall, Lord, thank you for just restoring hope and uh, just life in our walk with you. And uh, Lord, we just pray that if there's any person today that's in this room that is at a distance from you, that they are far away from you, Lord, we, we thank you, God, for them just realizing that, that they're not as far away as, as they think. And uh, Lord, that your arms are open wide, and uh, Lord, all they have to do is just fall into your arms. So, Lord, we bless you. We honor you today. Thank you for sealing what only you can seal. Thank you for accomplishing what only you can accomplish. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless.